0: Today, I'm with Dr. Benjamin C. Dagley, who is in Dallas-Fort Worth. Dag, thanks for joining. Thanks for having me. You always wanted to be on this podcast. Uh, yeah, there's no way
1: I'm going to listen to myself later on this podcast.
0: Oh, yes, you will. Yes, <laughs> too you embarrassing. Will. Um, let me give just a little bit of frame of reference here. So Dr. Dag is, uh, besides besides my family doctor from when I was a kid you are the longest running MD oh sorry oh my goodness you're r- running... <laughs> <laughs> you were the longest you're the longest running doctor that I know a do thank you uh, I met dr. Dagley I was in my senior year of uh, business school at UNT dag was finishing his residency at where Parkland at parkland and we did a project for you in the entrepreneurship department and we have been friends ever since now you're you're like uh you've been a mentor basically a father to me is that that too strong (laughs) well you're older than me so this is super awkward yeah Uh, so we've uh yeah i I just want to set the tone we've we have done business together we've gone on vacation together we've been really close through the years talked about staffing and we were just talking about billing companies so a lot of my i think appreciation of the medical world came from watching stuff that you're doing and even you introduced me to some people that you know so this podcast has been a long time coming i think i think we're done is that good <laughs> okay i might listen to it that was great thank you <laughs> I have I wrote down three things I want to cover because some people you, you may be the you're the first non-bariatric physician that's been featured so congratulations. Thank you. There are three things I want to cover with you. Maybe it'll take 10 minutes or it could turn into 3 hours of uh, Joe Rogan experience. We don't know. <laughs> okay. Here's here's one of the here's one of the coolest things I think because we're sitting here it's Friday at 1:30 uh, no one will be able to see your background, but I can see it. You are sitting in your office. How come you're not working on Friday?
1: At my office at home. Yes. Uh, okay. Can I back up one second? I'm a physical medicine rehabilitation physician, not your family doctor.
0: I, I do my family <laughs> so,
1: specializing. We focus on pain management in our practice. And uh, I've never worked on Fridays since I've been in, out of residency. So Had a nice workout this morning and uh, doing a little reading and
0: getting some other things done, but not working. Why did you decide from the beginning that you weren't going to work on Fridays? We uh,
1: had young kids when I graduated residency and my wife and I wanted to, you know, build a business plan that worked for our family. So when I was about six or seven months from finishing my residency at Parkland, I wrote a business plan, which I had read, I think less than 10% of doctors actually have. So wrote it out and in there figured out this is the schedule and the lifestyle that, that I want to have. So just decided to work Monday through Friday, excuse me, Monday through Thursday, nine to five with an hour and a half for lunch. And That gave me time to eat breakfast with my kids in the morning and then go to the gym. And spent a lot of those lunches meeting with, you know, bankers and real estate guys, tax consultants, lawyers, whoever I could to, you know, develop a team and build a business and, you know, learning how to invest in assets on the side outside of medicine. So we had a strong focus on really low overhead. And um, by doing that, I started my practice with cash out of my own pocket and was profitable in the first month. (laughs) Long answer.
0: Yeah, that's great. You started off renting a very small space from uh, someone else's medical clinic and then have grown to now there's four uh, four physicians and roughly how much, how many staff total?
1: I think we have 10 yeah. or 11 and we have one nurse practitioner and we are about to bring a second one on this spring.
0: Yep. No working on Fridays. One of these days I'm going to not work on Fridays, sir. You'll love it. Number two, your clinic I think almost always runs on time. Is that right? That is correct. How do you manage to do that? Um,
1: I think we set a precedent on the patient's very first visit. So I think I had three initial consults yesterday and all of them were surprised when I walked into the room on time or a little bit early. So shaking hands with patients from the beginning Saying, you know, they're surprised that we're on time. And I said, I'm going to be on time every time you're here. So they know from the beginning, hey, this guy runs on time and he's going to be on time for me and he's going to be on time for the next guy also. So occasionally we have patients show up late and we just give them the opportunity of, do you want to be seen for a short amount of time or do you want to reschedule? That way I can be on time for the next guy who was here on time. So the other thing I do is, try to ask strategic questions to patients to get the information I need. So I know that sounds cliche almost, but asking the right questions and getting that information quickly gives you time to talk about the other stuff that's important in the patient's life. So in the pain management world, I think one of the most important questions that we have on our initial consult is what do you do for fun? So we are obsessed with function because we're not healing anybody in our world, really. So what do you do for fun? And then I remember all my patients just about, which makes it easier to stay on time. I know their story and I try to remember what they're interested in, whether it's woodworking, gardening, whatever, walking their dogs, traveling. And then I like to bring that up. So we get their medical information and then put them at ease with Hey, have you been traveling lately? Where have you gone? And hopefully, building that rapport with patients through, you know, getting into what they like to talk about. So, and then all the while they know we're going to be on time, and they can keep their answers brief if they need to, or share
0: whatever they like. Mm-hmm. And uh, clinic visits; those are fifteen minutes each. Follow-ups are fifteen, and new patients are thirty. And. If it's, you know, someone's in the chronic pain and they're going on and on and on and on, how do you wrap that up and say, I got to get out of here? Yeah, I think
1: it's rare that I ever have to cut a patient off. So, you know, any doctor listening to this remembers medical school residency and probably made the observation of how doctors repeat themselves. They get up, start teaching or, you know, pointing to diagrams or whatever and educating patients, but then they're redundant and they just keep going over it and over it. And I don't do that. I'll just speak slowly, try to mirror the patient. And then as I'm going along, asking them, does that make sense? Does that make sense? Do you see what I'm saying? Do you have any questions? But not repeating the whole speech multiple times. I think that cuts down on time huge. And then, yeah, I try to go as long as I can let the patient or just listening and let the patient talk. Rarely does a patient talk over five minutes straight. Mm-hmm. Hmm.
0: And are you still refunding people's, um, you're what you're refunding their copay. If Copays.
1: Yeah. If I'm late, I'll refund their copay.
0: How many times has that ever happened?
1: Um, probably less than 10. And I've been in practice 14 years. I would guess less than 10. It's rare, but it can happen. So yeah, I once heard a story about a CEO. One of my patients told me this story, said her boss, who's a CEO of some business, went to see a dermatologist, had to wait over an hour and ended up seeing the doctor, then left and sent the doctor an invoice for his time. He had it at 250 bucks or something like that. And the doctor paid it. (laughs) So yeah, it impressed upon me. It, so we have patients who you know, are disabled and then we have CEOs that come in. And I think if you treat those, every single dude, or excuse me, every single patient as important, that their time is just as important as your time and just as important as the next patient's time, whether they're employed or not, that goes a long, long way. I, it seems like we've built a practice based on just running on time and being respectful. Hmm. It's so easy because doctors are notorious for disrespecting patients. Uh, Yeah, I think when you're late, you're showing the patient, I'm more important than you are. And my time is more important. And yeah, the first patient I saw yesterday morning, he said, I love coming here because I know you're gonna be on time and I'm gonna be out of here in 15 minutes.
0: Hmm. Man, that's almost unheard of, right?
1: Um, I don't know. It's unusual, I guess. So you don't believe in double booking. We do not double book. I guess that's the other, that's the other key.
0: Yeah. Okay. Lovely. Number three, maybe this is the most exciting subject so far. Uh, Let's just talk a little bit about assets. This is one of the first things that you and I uh, probably had a, a joint interest in was reading rich dad, poor dad, reading the Cash Flow quadrant. And I think it's easier for you to say that you don't, you don't work on Fridays now, but it's not, it probably wasn't so easy in the beginning because if you add up the clinic time or the OR time, you know, you can, you can see that not working on Fridays is costing you a quarter of a million bucks, half a million bucks, a million bucks. But you also have other streams of income that you've been collecting over the last, what, 10, 15 years?
1: Uh, yeah, long time. So, so can you,
0: I guess you have that presentation, which we don't have time for that whole thing, but what would you say to a doctor about just that subject, financial freedom assets? You, You can talk a little bit about the assets that you guys have invested in, but I just think it's an intriguing, it's an intriguing message right now, especially as reimbursements are, are not going up and the cost of everything is going up. So a, a, a doctor, I won't say who, cause you know him, but he said to me a couple months ago, the money is not in medicine anymore. And I think that, uh, that's a, that's a strong statement. And that really sucks. If your passion and your heart is to be in medicine. And also you may have all this debt you've got to cover. You want to be well compensated for taking care of people. T- tell me your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah. I love that. The, The guy, the doctor who told you the money is not in medicine anymore is we heard that. I can't tell you how many times I heard that in my, in medical school and in residency. So any doctor listening to this has heard that from, you know, the older attending saying the same thing. And I just decided, you know, we're going to live below our means and we're going to be super productive when we are at work. And then in the meantime, well, You know, if we don't expand our lifestyle too quickly, then we can buy assets that will then take care of that for us. So, you know, for those guys who are listening and don't know, an asset is something that puts money in your pocket and a liability is something that takes it out of your pocket. So, yeah, as a physician, and I have been literally all over the country hearing physicians say, yeah, nobody taught me this. Nobody taught me anything about investing or money the truth is, is that nobody gets that education in America, in American schools, nobody. You have to learn that on your own. And maybe if you're, if you have a family member who understands it, they'll teach you. So I just started, just like you said, with Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and read most of those books in that series, and then expanded to, you know, anything I could read that was simple enough for a doctor to understand, because we didn't have much of a background about accounting finance leverage any of this stuff so yeah the if you have assets on the side it takes a significant amount of pressure off i have talked to physicians who for instance have patients who you know they see them on their schedule and it just ruins their day you know those kind of patients don't belong in your practice you don't have compassion for them they disrespect you or your staff, something like that. When you have assets on the side, it gives you freedom to say, you know what? I'm not the right doctor for you. It's time to move on. Mm -hmm. So there's just so much less pressure. So assets, as far as our story goes, uh, the first asset we bought was into a surgery center partnership. And then we bought into the company that owned the real estate as well. So that one took four years before it was really profitable and it has turned out, it's gone off like gangbusters. We bought, Maddie knows, we bought shares at $6,000 and now they're worth almost 150,000 bucks. So of course, we all like to remember our success stories. <laughs> I've had some, bo- I've had some terrible investments, some bombs. So uh, as far yeah, our main thing is to invest in real estate, cash flowing real estate. And that has worked out great. Hmm
0: um, <clears throat> surgery center, equipment company, some real estate. What's, I mean, what, so what do you look for now? What do you, at this point in your career, you have three other physicians at the practice. Are you still working the same amount of hours? Are you looking to invest more? What does that look like? Uh, yeah, always looking to invest and
1: still, uh, working the same amount of hours. Yeah. Uh, I take, you know, every Friday off gives you seven and a half weeks a year, I think. And then I probably take another six or seven weeks off during the year to, you know, vacation with the family or my wife, whatever. Mm-hmm. Or even Maddie, we've taken some vacations together. Mm-hmm. So, um, but always looking for deals. I have my bullet points for investing for doctors. If you want to hear. Absolutely. It, or you can pause for just a minute till I find it. Okay, let me do that. Okay, Okay, we're back. Okay, these are my financial keys. So like I mentioned, I have had several busted deals and I am not a badass. So some of these are uh, through some painful experiences. Okay, first, live below your means. We just covered that a minute ago. It certainly takes a lot of pressure off. Fill out a financial statement at least twice a year. The financial statement, you can go to Google and type in, you know, financial statement and print it off. This is your report card when you leave school, Robert Kiyosaki says. So this lets you know what your net worth is. It just takes your assets minus your liabilities, and you sure hope it's a positive number. Number three. And I think may, this may be the most important one. You ask, what do I do now? Invest in times of crisis. So when the world is falling apart, like it did in 2008 2000 through 2010 or so, when the real estate market crashed, that's when we bought most of our real estate. When the stock market crashed during COVID and everything went down 40%, that's when we bought into the stock market. So I'm not a stock picker. I think that's crazy. And that doesn't work very well. So I think index funds are the safest thing to do. So invest in times of crisis. Here's number four, avoid all deals where all parties involved do not have skin in the game. This is my, I have medical students and residents who spend a month with me here and there. And this is my big take home message. Do not ever do a deal that all the players involved don't have money in in it. Not just sweat equity, they gotta put money in it no matter how good the deal sounds. If, it, if they don't have skin in the game, I would avoid it and move on to the next one. There's gonna be another great deal coming along later that week, probably. Number next, listen to your spouse. It's okay to say no, is my next one. Own real estate or you're gonna work forever. So it's super important to understand how real estate is taxed, how it affects your balance sheet, And what it means to have cash flowing real estate. Not just, I'm not talking about buying real estate that, oh, hey, in a few years, this thing's gonna be worth a lot of money. I'm talking about real estate where you have a tenant or a renter in there and they are paying you more than the note is worth or is costing you each month. That's very simple. Uh, Number eight, understand tax law as best you can. This is surprisingly easy. It is shockingly easy to understand more than some CPAs do so a little bit scary and then last thing if you're not going to do anything at all and you're not going to read and you're not going to you're not interested in real estate then i would invest in vanguard vtsax that index fund is, fund is probably the best performer with the least
0: fees the lowest fees there you go thanks for letting me share all that piece of cake the road what do you what do you call those the keys to those are my financial keys financial keys Why do you think a lot of physicians, uh, is it, I mean, I don't think I've ever worked in any industry where someone had as a, as an entrepreneur or a business owner, you have a lot of things to keep in your head at once. And then you put that with being a physician, which is, I think the, it's either as much or even more of things you have to keep in your head at once. And then you take a business owner and physician's schedule, which is, demanding down to the minute literally being managed to the minute and sometimes there's not enough space in it for everybody that wants to have your ear uh, you know staff's trying to get to you patients trying to get to you vendors co-workers partners uh family is that the reason why physicians sometimes aren't keen or interested in investing they just don't they just don't have enough time to pick up another thing and check it out yeah i think that's part of it the i think a lot of people, if we're honest, we shut down when
1: we hear the topic of money. Maybe it was the way you were brought up or whatever your relationship was with money, you just shut down. So we've all talked to people who say, yep, I don't like to think about money. I don't want to talk about money. That's so silly to me because money determines what you do with your time, your most important asset ever. The other thing, getting back to physicians, is it's hard for physicians to say no to One more patient, uh, work through lunch. Will you do another surgery? Can you work New Year's Eve? That guy's deductible is going to start over tomorrow. Let's add one more on, one more on, one more on. And before you know it, you're doing good work. You're having success. And you're you're a slave to your own success and your own creation, this, this practice you've built. So without building in that time for thinking, something we talk about all the time. So- I used to spend a lot of my Fridays going up to my office or going somewhere quietly to spend time thinking about my business. How can we do it more efficiently? How can we automate this? How, you know, how do we invest better so you know, you get more freedom? That kind of thing. Mm. So, so there are probably several reasons you hit on some. The shutdown shutting down when you hear the topic of money because it's stressful and then you know, I wasn't taught this in school, that excuse I hear all the time. It's like, yeah. If how many of us would say, okay, well, I wasn't taught that in school, so I don't have to learn it. Something as important as this, you're like, okay, I'm going to talk to the most successful dudes. I know. What books did you read? How did you learn this? Just start picking people's brains.
0: Right. Yeah. I think um, everyone, I think people are, Surprise number one: If you have a high income, and a lot of physicians have a high income or a, a large paycheck, but that's the worst way to make money, right? Uh, it depends. If you're,
1: <laughs> it can certainly be a trap. If you're not, if you're trying to keep up with all your physician buddies and drive this car and live in that house, it becomes yeah, it, it becomes a double-edged sword that you're you're now trying to keep up with everybody instead of living below your means. Yes, you know.
0: Yes, and sorry, I was just saying, uh, earned income is it's the yeah. least desirable sorry. income. Sorry, yes, that's what I was hinting at or alluding at with
1: real estate has the is the most tax advantageous asset. Uh, owning businesses, you know, the guys who are listening that own their own practices, they understand some tax breaks that you get as a as a business owner. So, real estate has much better potential in the tax bracket for you, though, and then. You know, we all know that portfolio income from your, you know, paper assets, like stocks and bonds is taxed at 20% capital gains, depending on how long you hold it. So that can be, you know, that's typically less than what they're paying with their earned
0: income. Right. Yep. Okay. We covered Fridays off, running clinic on time and your financial keys. Anything else? Am I missing something important? It seems like I'm missing something
1: probably um do you do you want to talk about you know something like covid vaccine or political affiliation <laughs> something really benign
0: no no i think we're good i don't <laughs> i don't want to go i don't want to step into that uh, if people want to hear that they just listen to joe rogan dude
1: that guy knows everything
0: not me and you doctor Rogan. <laughs> to you sir yeah that's right okay well i'm gonna hit the recording and then we can say our goodbyes okay